Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of November 9th through November the 15th. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well out there. I'm recording this on Friday, November the 6th, around 4 o'clock. Um, this week, we're going to be looking at a Venus opposition to Mars, a Jupiter conjunction with Pluto. Uh, Mars will be stationing direct this week. And then we're going to have a new moon at the end of the week at 23 degrees of Scorpio. So we've, uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're living out uh, some pretty important times in history. Uh, as of four o'clock this afternoon, um, the election in the United States has not yet been called, but it is looking like it's trending towards a Joe Biden victory. Um, I'm pretty tired. I've been kind of staying up and kind of trying to follow along with the news cycle and, um, you know, trying to keep my center, but it is a little bit, um, I would say it's kind of stressful trying to figure all this out. It does produce some, some anxiety, but um, yeah, I'm feeling okay. We'll, we'll see if we can get through the, the forecast this week intact and uh, bring you some context to the events that you might be experiencing, but um, bear with me. I'm a little bit up. <laughs> a little pride, uh, but let's get to it. Let's let's look at what we've got here. I'm gonna share my screen, and we'll take a look at the planetary condition for the week. Hope that you're all doing well out there, and that you're hanging in there. I know it's been we've been asked a lot this week uh, as far as having patience. Um, we on election night we did have a stationary Mercury who was just emerging from under the beams, so we were you know, trying to get all the information that we could, but there was a lot of confusion around what was going on. And we had to be patient with that Mercury square, that applying Mercury square to Saturn, um, which has just started to separate as of today. So uh, yeah, we're starting to get a little bit, a, a little bit clearer picture on what direction we're going to be heading here. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a mixed bag as far as the election goes, depending on, you know, what you're, belief system is and what you were hoping for as an outcome. Um, personally, I, you know, I was, I'm, you know, you can see I've got my Michigan blue shirt on here and Michigan uh, was, was uh, in favor of Joe Biden this year. And I, I contributed to that effort and feel pretty good about that. I was, you know, we're still seeing what's going to happen with the, the Senate. Um, there might be a, a runoff in Georgia to determine um which party has control of the Senate, but hopefully, my, my hope is this, is that we're going to be heading towards uh, potentially reunifying the country, and, uh, you know, I think with Joe Biden as a Sagittarius rising with his Jupiter ruling his chart, uh, you know, in, exalted in Cancer, um, hopefully he's a person that will start bringing people back together. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this today as I heard his speech uh, last night and, um, you know, thought about the messaging that he's been bringing out versus the messaging that I was hearing from Donald Trump uh, this week. And, uh, you know, it, they really represent the archetypes of Jupiter and Mercury very, very well. Mercury being that, that Hellenistic archetype of destabilizing and um, you know, being able to bring confusion to things. And of course, Donald Trump has Mars in his first house too. So he also has the really, uh, the symbolism of severing and separating is very loud in his chart also. Um, and Joe Biden, you know, is a Sagittarius rising and has uh, that exalted 
uh, Jupiter, which in the Hellenistic tradition was stabilizing and confirming. And it, it seemed like what he was trying to do in his, in his message to the nation was, you know, trying to calm people down, potentially bring people together, saying that he's an American president, not, not a president of red and blue states. And um, from my own perspective, that was a, a welcome um, message. That was a welcome, like, uh, I guess, calming type of thing. I, I, I will fully admit there is a lot of work to do, uh, especially if you have more progressive um, political aspirations as far as uh, creating equality in this country and in the world and for people of color, for the LGBT community, um, for the, the wealth gap that we have in this country, for people who want basic human rights like healthcare and things like that. Those, those are all things that we're still um, needing to work towards, and there's a lot of work to do um, between now and whatever the, the idealistic vision is. So I fully acknowledge that. I just uh, hopefully we'll get to sigh, you know, sigh a, a brief sigh of relief um, that we've, you know, gotten the uh, the threat to our democracy, the immediate threat to our democracy uh, out of the White House. So that's where I'm at with all of that, and uh, yeah, it's I'm really tired. I don't know about all of you, but. Uh, this has been quite a journey over the course of the week, and um, we just kind of have to rest up and, and figure out what the next steps are. I've been saying that in my forecast all the way along, is we've got to take this step and then figure out what the next step is and what the next step is. And I would also caution you too, like uh, maybe breathe a sigh of relief if Joe, Joe Biden does in fact become the president, but I think it's important to, um, you know, Act the way that you want to be treated, I guess, with grace, with humility, um, and with uh, the knowledge that the, the, the wheel of life, the wheel of karma, the wheel of fortune, I guess you could say is a better, better way to think about it, keeps on spinning. And sometimes we're at the top and sometimes we're at the bottom. And um, I think that from my studies of things like the, the Tao Te Ching and, and Taoism and the I Ching, realizing that energy is just kind of flowing from one state to another. And there's a really great Taoist story about a man who, uh, and, and a horse. And uh, basically he says, uh, the story is, is about the horse and how good fortune comes to him. And then eventually that fortune could be seen as like negative fortune. You know, like he finds this horse and, and people are like, oh, that's such, such good fortune. And he's like, oh, it is, it is what it is. And then he, the horse runs away and people are like, you know, or the horse kicks him or something like that. And he breaks his leg and he's like, you know, people are like, oh, it's such bad fortune. And he's like, oh, it is what it is. And then uh, since he has a broken leg, he uh, doesn't get drafted for the war and people are like, oh, that's such good fortune, and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And that's kind of how the approach that I'm taking right now is, that, you know, um, there's a lot of um, life left to be lived. And th this is just one big circling of energy. If you look at it from a, I don't know, from a, uh, a larger wide angle lens, um, history keeps on spinning and he history keeps on turning. And I think that we have to do what is asked for us in the time that we've been given. Um, but I think the key is not to get too high or too low and to stay, to stay balanced. And that's true of uh, celebrating a victory as well. I think that um, it's important not to get too 
too high on, on feeling good, just like it's, it's important not to get too low if you're feeling upset about external events and how they make you feel. It's, it's, it's both. Like, how can you maintain that equilibrium? You know, and this is what we've been asked with uh, Mercury in this, um, with this stationary Mercury in the third decan of Libra is how do we maintain our, our mental equilibriums while chaos is, is uh, you know, swirling around us. And that's what, you know, the messaging has been, I've seen from Joe Biden in particular was, you know, be patient. The process needs to play out and, uh, you know, try not to freak out and, and what will be, will be, you know, <laughs> whatever that song is. Baby, hold on to me. Do, do, do. Whatever will be, will be. The future is ours to see. You know, so it's uh, that's kind of the, the approach I'm taking. So anyway, let's talk about the planetary condition because we have, the story is not done yet. We have a lot of story left to go. We're leading up to that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which is heralding a new era uh, of, of conjunctions in a new element, uh, air in particular. So we'll see what's happening as we build to that, but very, very intense and interesting times and living through history. It's, and it's, uh, it's, uh, sometimes it's difficult to make sense of it all when you're living through it in real time, but here we go. <laughs> okay. So the sun this week's going to be in Scorpio, moving from 17 to 24 degrees of Scorpio, moving from the second to the second decan. Um, it is moving fast. It will be conjoining the fixed stars excuse me, Zubin el-Shamali at 19 degrees of Scorpio. Uh, and then it will conjoin the fixed star uh, Una Kalhai at 22 Scorpio, which is part of the uh, constellation um, Serpentis, uh, which was the snake that was being held by Ophiuchus. So we'll talk about that because that one gets, gets a lot, there's a lot of attention by non-astrologers and and whatnot when it comes to Ophiuchus and the, the quote-unquote 13th sign. So we'll talk about that a little bit, I guess. At 24 degrees of Scorpio, the sun will conjoin the fixed star um, Agena, which is also called Hadar. So we'll, we'll break that down. That was part of the constellation Centaurus, um, which was Chiron. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit. The, the sun will be making a few exact aspects. It will be trining Neptune uh, on the 11th, I'm sorry, yes, uh, no, the 10th, Tuesday the 10th, it will try Neptune exactly. Uh, it will be making a sextile exactly to a partile sextile to Pluto and Jupiter on the 14th. And then it will be conjoining the moon and we'll have our new moon on the 15th of November. The sun's going to be moving through the terms of Mercury from 11 to 19 degrees then the terms of Jupiter from 19 to 24 degrees. And then at the very end of the week, it'll slip into the terms of Saturn uh, from 24 to 30 degrees of Scorpio. It will be co-present with Mercury once Mercury moves into uh, Scorpio this week. Yeah, that was another thing. Mercury is going to move into Scorpio on Tuesday. Uh, and then uh, there is a whole sign sextile between Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn uh, with the sun. The host of the sun this week is Mars in Aries, which is moving from its retrograde station to a direct motion this week. It's in aversion to its host, but it does have that condition called like and girding, where uh, there is some kind of secret line of communication because Mars rules both Aries and Scorpio. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Saturn this week is in Capricorn, moving from 26 to 27 degrees of Capricorn. 
Uh, it is fast in motion. It's in its own domicile. It is in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees, co-present with Jupiter, uh, making the overcoming square to Mars in Aries. Uh, it will be also receiving an overcoming square from Venus and Mercury, and then it will sextile the Sun in Scorpio. It is in its own domicile. Saturn is playing the role of uh, the, I guess, the father time, um, you know, where we are being asked to have patience and asked to slow down. It, it really has a, a pivotal role in this election process. It was, you know, we had Mercury applying to a square uh, where there was a lot of confusion, but Saturn said, well, hold on, you got to have patience. You got to go through the process. You got to let time play out. Remember, Saturn is the, the process of, uh, it was associated with both Ananke and Kronos. They were, Ananke was like the, the bride of Kronos in the, in the ancient mythological story. And Kronos was time. Kronos was time. Ananke was the process that compels us to completion. So time is part of the process that compels us, compels events towards their completion towards coming to fruition. So we have to kind of allow that process to, to play out. That's one of kind of the natural laws that we don't have a lot of uh, control over, right? There's certain things that we do have agency with, but the concept of time is, and there will be people that will argue with me on this, but, but th that is one of the fundamental laws of nature. I mean, it is difficult to bend time and space. I'm not, I, I don't think it's impossible. <laughs> I think that, you know, Einstein has, has proven that, but uh, it's uh, it's not something that you can mess with very easily, unless you are Hermione Granger in uh, Harry Potter. So I myself do not have a time turner, but that would be a nice thing to have, wouldn't it? Okay, so that's what's going on with Saturn this week. Uh, Jupiter is a player in our week. Uh, it is in Capricorn, moving from twenty-two to twenty three degrees of Capricorn is fast in motion. It will make an exact conjunction with Pluto on the 12th, which is Thursday. It's in the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees. It is, of course, in its fall in Capricorn, which is a difficult position for Jupiter. Um, it is a, a place where it is depressed. It's not feeling very good. It doesn't, it's not able to bring about the, the stabilization or the confirmation that it that it would prefer, which is one of growth and abundance, um, it is still confirming and stabilizing the process of decay, death, exile, uh, feelings of uh, depravity, um, where we're feeling cast out like orphans in the dark. Uh, it is confirming those conditions. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a little bit of an awkward position for Jupiter. And it's going to be supercharged uh, by Pluto. It's going to really be um, accelerating some of the processes, processes of, of decay. So we'll see what happens with that. I'll get to that in our daily report, though. Um, Jupiter is going to be co-present with Saturn, its host. And it will be making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries. All the same aspects of Saturn. It will be squaring uh, Venus and Mercury, and then it will be coming into a sextile relationship with Mercury once Mercury moves into Scorpio. So Jupiter's trying to help, but Jupiter is in a position of weakness right now. And that is a very challenging thing. Um, these these Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions have all coincided with spikes in the coronavirus, and we're seeing that play out again 
Um, but again, we'll discuss that in a second. Uh, Mars this week is in Aries. It is uh, slowing down, stationing from its retrograde motion to its direct motion on the 13th. So we have a, a stationary Mars where we're trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, it will be hanging out at, the, at 15 degrees of Aries in its own domicile. Um, it will be making an exact opposition with Venus before it turns direct on Monday, the 9th. Um, so some conflict uh, as we try to create our worlds, uh, as we try to separate from the, the mother plant, I guess you could say, and uh, create an individual identity. And right now we're being asked to, to harmonize with society. And, and there's a lot of anger going around, uh, a lot of impatience, I would say, too, because people want to know um, if their self-initiated action has been successful or not. And, you know, Venus is saying, hey, wait a minute, you've got to kind of weigh everything, you got to count all the votes, you got to, uh, you live within a society that has to, where there's certain rules that we have to follow, there's certain rituals, this election is a ritual. And Venus is very strong right now, um, probably stronger than Mars, I would say, uh, because Mars is retrograde and stationary. Venus is saying, let, let the ritual play out. You, there, you cannot escape the ritual just because you feel like it. Um, and we've seen that play out in our collective story as well. Mars will be in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees, uh, receiving that overcoming slowing square from Saturn and Jupiter. Uh, making out opposition with Venus and Mercury and Libra this week. It's its own host. It's in its own domicile, so it does have its own resources. I think we have to be careful this week that Mars is going to be kind of, you know, picking up steam again, and some of that that anger, maybe that pent-up anger and that pent-up frustration may be released. Um, I will say, though, that one of the things I've been trying to focus on, particularly in this week and lately, is that uh, what we speak uh, matters. The Our word matters. And, and this is something that's been really refreshing about watching Joe Biden and how he's speaking and really frustrating about watching jo Donald Trump and how he's communicating. The word matters. And I think that sometimes we can, speaking something into existence uh, is something that has power. And I, I think that it is important for us to use our words uh, to, yes, acknowledge the things that have outlived their efficacy, uh, to, to speak truth uh, and awareness to injustices, but also to speak the, about how we're going to come back together, how we're going to reunify what we want to see to create peace. Sometimes we have to have conflict to create peace. That I would 100% acknowledge that. I, I do think that the concept of hope is important and speaking towards hope and speaking towards what, what is your vision and what do you want to create? And but fully taking into account that the vision that you are trying to create has to take uh, multiple perspectives into account. That's very important. You can want something, but if it is something that denies other people's rights or their personhood or their safety, then that's not something that's going to be supported in a society. And I think that that's, it's very important to, to recognize that. Uh, and, and when you are trying to speak truth and, and speak something into existence, those are the, the kind of the rules that you have to follow when you're doing that. Like, um, it's okay to have a different opinion about something, but if, if your opinion or your 
actions are going to put others in danger or oppress them, that, that's going to be punished. That's, that's hubris. That's something that will, will ignite the, uh, the wrath of the Furies. And um, I don't know. I, I think hubris will always be humbled in this world, eventually. I really eventually. Sometimes time is the vehicle, and a lot of times we see these injustices. But that's where the, the concept of faith comes in, is that I do think that the world tends towards balance. And when we see something out of balance, or when whatever deity or cosmic mind uh, sees something out of balance, uh, there are forces that are activated to bring it back into harmony. And sometimes if we get too extreme to one end or another, those forces will be equally extreme. So this is, this is the part of the, the middle path that a lot of spiritual traditions preach, is if you, if you walk that middle path, it, uh, the, the, the swings of the pendulum are going to be uh, less violent, I guess. And I think that that's a, something to keep in mind. All right, let's talk about Venus. Venus is in Libra this week. Uh, from 14, moving from 14 to 23 degrees, moving fast in motion in its own domicile and its own terms. It is going to be making an exact opposition to Mars on the 9th, Monday, and it's going to be squaring Pluto on the 15th, which is Sunday. Uh, it will be in the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 21 degrees, and then in the terms of it, its own terms from 21 to 28 degrees. It'll be co-present with Mercury, uh, it will be squaring uh, and making an overcoming square to Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and, and that opposition to Mars and Aries. It's in its own domicile. So Venus represents the power of persuasion, the power of ritual, the power of cleanliness, the power of uh, social contracts, and being able to uh, reunify those things that have been separated. Now, the opposition between Venus and Mars may make it difficult to reconcile uh, the, the factions that want to create severance and separation and the other ones that are trying to harmonize and bring about peace. And I don't think that we're going to have a resolution to that necessarily in the next week, but we will see that friction start to alleviate as the opposition starts to separate, if that makes sense. So, you know, be patient, use all of your powers of love and, and patience and, and um, ability to see both sides of an issue and to listen to one another if you are on the side of peace, if that's what you are wanting to create. Um, I, 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 again, I fully acknowledge that there are certain, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to use any new age cliches, but there's certain light workers out there that are calling uh, into attention the inequalities in the system and calling for breaking down old structures. And they're liberators. And I, I do think that that's equally as important a role. Um, but again, the delivery of the, that message matters. And I think that it's like, a, it's, remember that kind of, if, you're, if you have any experience giving criticism, it's kind of that compliment sandwich, right? You like, you acknowledge somebody you, you, you maybe give the criticism and talk about the change that you want to see, and then you reaffirm them. And I think that as we move forward as a country, that's how we may have to try to bring the, the disenfranchised, I guess, or the people that feel disenfranchised to the point that they are willing to like irrationally spew hatred 
and you know severance i think that's how you bring people back into the fold is you acknowledge their some of their grievances on some level and you know you denounce the things that are abjectly you know false and abjectly hurting other people and then you bring them back into the fold and this may be my cancerian son talking uh <laughs> like i you know there have been some clichés about cancers being like the you know the mother archetype with a universal love type of thing and i could see that being the case with cancer trying to being moon ruled trying to collect the masses back together and this is what you're seeing i think this is what you will see with someone like joe biden with jupiter and cancer exalted trying to collect the masses back together again and and mend those fences and mend those bridges so to me I don't know. I, I have a lot of unconditional love in my heart. I, I do criticize things quite a bit, but at the end of the day, forgiveness is a really important quality. And I, I, you know, no, we are all, we all fall short of the glory. And I think that I've seen a lot of um, juvenile or infantile behavior. And you have to think about our friends, neighbors, brothers and sisters, countrymen, as a lot of maybe children that have gone astray. And I saw a really good example of this on the news the other day. There was a a gentleman in, I believe, Nevada, who was very, very upset about, uh, you know, what he perceived as, you know, conspiracy theories about counting the votes. And there was an election official doing a press conference. And he, the, the, the man came and started spewing all of his anger and nonsense and really unfounded stuff and the guy just kind of waited he didn't like do anything or try to stop him he just like let the guy exhaust himself and let him uh express all of that anger and tire himself out like like a toddler would and if if there are any parents out there you understand that sometimes um you're not gonna like you know change a, a child's mood you know, by doing anything necessarily, sometimes they have to exhaust themselves and you have to be the, the stoic, patient, solid, stable person. And I think that's what I'm calling for here is be the adults in the room. Let the people who want to exhaust themselves view all that stuff. And what one thing you learn as a parent is you don't add uh, fuel to that fire. You know, you don't get into arguments juvenile arguments with your kids because then what you're doing is you're feeding into that negativity and you're you're getting into an ego battle with them and as we move forward through this venus uh mars opposition i think we're gonna have to let the the people who are upset exhaust themselves within reason without putting anybody in danger and you know the people who want to bring peace uh you know be the stoic adults in the room and, and let them exhaust that energy and then say, all right, now how do we how do we come back together as a community? I'd really think that's important because if we don't do that, if we constantly, I think if if we have a similar level of hubris uh, on the the left or the blue or the democratic side, um, of which I I identify as a part of, um, I think that we we sow that division even further, and that you know just because donald trump may not be the president anymore does not mean that that ideological position goes away automatically now i do think it's important that 
you know, the president is not encouraging that position. The words matter. And the lead, for better or for worse, the president's perspective uh, can rile people up. We're, we're an emotional country. And so, you know, if you believe the, the Sibley chart, it's a Cancerian country. So we're, we act on our gut instincts. And this is why a lot of the, the projections of the election may have been a little bit off because people are voting with their gut and they're, they don't always want to admit uh, how they feel. <laughs> and I think that uh, we saw that kind of play out with the, a lot of these races being a lot closer than we, we thought. And, um, but that being said, um, it's important, I think, to uh, acknowledge that kind of uh, irrationality sometimes. And, and again, uh, bring pe try to bring people back into the fold. You know, I, I believe over the course of the summer when my, my daughter was showing me a lot of things about we were talking about Black Lives Matter and, and how to be uh, supportive of that ideology and, and be as a, as a white cisgendered male. And, and she was talking a lot about calling people in versus calling them out. And I really, I really like that. I really resonate with that because uh, it's easy to call people out. And again, it, it compliment sandwich type of thing. We do have to call out the behavior uh, as a... Mm, almost in the abstraction. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like as a parent, you, you say, uh, I don't appreciate that behavior that you did. I'm not saying that you necessarily are a terrible child, I, but I will not accept that behavior. I love you unconditionally as a person, but I, I need you to know that that behavior needs to change. And that's, I think that's really the approach that we take here as a next step is we will not accept that type of irrational, harmful behavior. We can still love people. I think, I think that's, maybe you'll think I'm too idealistic, but that's the approach that I, I intend on taking moving forward. And maybe that's Venus and Libra talking, right? Uh, I don't know. This is something that I got, this is one of the reasons I got into the arts and into music because I, music was something that really, I could really see bring pe bringing people together and, uh, you know, soothing the, the savage beast, so to speak. Um, so maybe put some songs on, put some music on, find some things that you can agree on, find some common ground, however small it might be, and use that as a starting point. And speak towards unity. That's the other thing. I, I think if people start speaking about civil war all the time, I, I think that's detrimental too. Speak towards the, the future that you want to see. And the future that I want to see is uh, a country that comes back together and treats one another with respect. All right, let's talk about Mercury. Mercury is going to be uh, moving from 28 to 30 degrees of Libra this week. It'll start off slow. It's picking up speed, though. It, it, when, when a planet switches from retrograde to direct, it will, it will start really slow. It's stationary or it appears to be stationary in the sky. I, I, say this like it's actually not moving, but this is the appearance, okay? I want to make that clear because I don't, this is all representational in the sky. Um, it will appear to slow down and, and be still, and then it will pick up speed. So that's what we're seeing this week moving forward is a slow Mercury that is picking up speed. Uh, it will move into Scorpio on the 10th, which is Tuesday. Mercury in Libra is the triplicity ruler of the air signs in the nighttime. 
It will be in the terms of Mars from 28 to 30 degrees, co-present with its host, Venus, which is providing all of that really uh, persuasive energy right now, that patience, that, that desire to create harmony. Uh, it is receiving uh, a, a square from Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and opposing Mars and Aries. Once Mercury moves into Scorpio, it will move from zero to six degrees Scorpio. It'll be moving fast uh, when it moves into Scorpio, but it will be peregrine. It loses that triplicity dignity, and it will be in the terms of Mars from zero to seven degrees. Uh, it will be co-present with the sun in Scorpio, and it will be sextiling Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn. Its host will then become Mars, which is moving uh, retrograde and then stationing direct. Um, in that in aversion relationship uh, to its host. But again, we have that like and girding where there's kind of a secret line of communication. So our thoughts may, we, we may turn towards what we've lost. We may start mourning our losses with Mercury moving into that first decade of Scorpio. Um, the words might get a little more heated. I, I will definitely acknowledge that. I think that we can be hopeful while still acknowledging that we have a long way to go and that there may be some challenges that we have to face. Uh, the moon will be waning this week from the last quarter to the new moon. Uh, the new moon happens on Sunday. Uh, the moon is peregrine in Leo. In the beginning of the week, it will have triplicity dignity in the nighttime in Virgo. It will uh, have rulership in the first face of Libra and then move into its fall in Scorpio. Uh, that new moon is going to be happening uh, on the 15th at 23 degrees of Scorpio. I guess we will dip into uh, a Sagittarius moon where it's peregrine at the end of the week as well. It won't get to the, the dignity where it has face in the third decan or second decan, one of those decans. One of those decans. Yeah, it's the second decan of Sagittarius where it has face rulership, excuse me. All right, that's what I've got for the uh, planetary condition report. Um, let's flip over the notes here and uh, talk about Monday the 9th. Thanks for hanging with me. Um, again, I'm pretty tired. And uh, so some of the filters aren't there. But I hope that I'm speaking from the heart and uh, trying to help bring you some peace or some relief. That's my intention. Uh, my intention isn't to invalidate anyone's feelings about their grief process or their pain or or their station in life, and and I, you know, totally acknowledge all of that, and realize that I'm speaking from a, a position of privilege too, as a white cisgendered heterosexual man. Uh, that is a uh, definitely a position of privilege in this country. Um, but I'm trying to do my best to to learn uh, as I go along here and to. Uh, speak up for equality and, and social justice and fairness, while also trying to be a voice of patience, a voice of reason, a voice of seeing politics as a, you know, part of that spinning of the wheel and helping to connect with the center. So hopefully it's helpful for you. And uh, let's talk about Monday. Monday, November the 9th. Moon's going to start out in Leo and move to uh, Virgo at 829 a.m., we will be experiencing uh, the last quarter moon or the, the uh, last quarter moon phase from, for the first couple days of the week. Um, the moon will be making a few lunar aspects. 
It will be sextiling Mercury at 6.04 a.m. at 28 degrees of Leo and Libra. It'll then move into Virgo at 8.29 a.m. and then trine Uranus at 10.50 p.m. in the evening at 8 degrees of Virgo and Taurus, respectively. The big news of Monday is the perfection or the, the exact uh, opposition of Venus and Mars retrograde at 11.08 a.m. So that happened at 15 degrees of, of Libra and Aries. Um, we have some symbolism with the three of swords opposing the, um, the three of wands, if we want to think about this in the tarot. And uh, in the three of swords, you see a heart being pierced by these swords and rain clouds in the background. Um, this was, uh, you know, talked about as the, the links in the chain, the links of a chain with Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces. And it's opposing a card that I didn't pull for this particular forecast, but it's it, it, there's a man that's standing on a shore, uh, looking out, um, uh, with a he's holding uh, I believe uh, he's looking out to see the um, the ships going out into uh, into the 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 sea or coming back from the sea, and it's talking about that Deccan talks about administrating a world of your own creation. And we've definitely seen people getting very upset. Uh, and you could even argue that some of them are living in their own worlds. I think that this is one of the things that we've been experiencing as a country is these echo chambers, right? And, and where we, we only hear what we want to hear and we only discuss uh, issues with people who agree with us. And um, that's, that's creating a lot of issues and a lot of challenges right now. And that's gonna be opposing the Venus where we're talking about negotiating the terms of a deal and, and what is fair for everyone. Um, how can we create a win-win situation? Um, how can we bring back together people that have been separated and sef severed from one another? So it, it is, I don't have the greatest answers to that. I, I just probably spent half an hour giving my best attempt at it. Um, but uh, yeah, you could think of this is, as we don't necessarily have to solve this opposition, we have to be able to hold the duality of this position on Monday. We have to realize that we, there is a, an opportunity to start to try to bring people back together while also understanding that people have their own agendas. And I, I don't think that that gets resolved overnight. I think you have to kind of see how your personal agenda fits into a world that is one of respect for for your for your neighbor, for your brother, for your sister, for um, your countrymen, for your I don't know for the citizens of the world, for your animal brothers and sisters, for the trees, for the air, for the oceans. How do you how does what you want fit into that greater scheme and that greater uh, realization that you're part of something bigger than just your own private wants and desires? Remember, Mars and Aries is severing and separating from the collective to incarnate into a body, to bring something into form. And Venus is trying to, to harmonize at the end of a life cycle, right? It's preparing for separating from a body, which is what Mars does when it's in uh, Scorpio. It is, it is the return back to collective, uh, I don't know, gnosis, matter, substance, um, so we're simultaneously 
trying to return to a collective agenda and push forward some kind of the creation of, of a new self-directed world. And again, I know that that's, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but if you're going to have a human uh, life and you're going to have human existence, you have to be able to hold duality. And there are going to be times where these competing interests are going to come up. That's just really the nature of being incarnated is that you will have to hold duality. This is something that spiritual teachers from many different traditions have talked about is the duality of opposites. And, you know, from the biblical tradition to the Taoist tradition, all of these things are, are, are talked about um, as part of our experience on this material plane. So we're going to really see that happening um, on Monday very acutely. Okay, so let's move forward to Tuesday. So on Tuesday, November the 10th, uh, the moon will be in Virgo. Uh, again, it has some triplicity dignity in Virgo, continuing the last quarter moon phase. We have a number of uh, lunar aspects. Um, the moon will be making an opposition to Neptune, which also will be trining the sun this, on this day. So there is some Neptune action on Tuesday the 10th. Uh, the moon will be sextiling the sun at 4.53 p.m. So all of these aspects are happening from the late afternoon Eastern Standard Time into the evening. So we've got an opposition to Neptune from the uh, Virgo moon, uh, a sextile with the uh, Scorpio sun, and then a trine to Jupiter and Pluto at 22 degrees of Capricorn from the, the Virgo moon. That happens later in the evening. And we will we'll talk about uh, a couple things beyond that. We have the trine of the sun to Neptune. That happens very, that perfects very early in the day. So we may feel this, um, this aspect on Monday as well. So maybe some hopefulness, but also probably fatigue. Again, the key word that I've just been really hammering home with Neptune is it is a dissolving planet that it, I think its function is to, to return things to the collective. It, it, you know, Schmidt talks about it as the transcendental moon, which is substance. It is the one thing. It is the, the inanimate substance. So there is this quality of Neptune where we're trying to escape uh, form, okay? We're trying to dissolve form back into substance, and it's the, the leaving of the, the animated spirit, which he associates with Uranus, the transcendental sun. And then Pluto uh, is the transcendental Mercury, which is the actual process of infusing matter with spirit or dissolving spirit from the matter, okay? And th this is a, a, a continual process. And with Mercury, Mercury is going to be moving into Scorpio on Tuesday the 10th, okay? And this is where we may be, you know, starting to, you know, feel some kind of uh, sadness. Uh, you know, we've gone through this with Mercury retrograde. It's gone over this decade a couple times in the recent past, where we may, you know, be mourning what we've lost. This this decade was associated with the Five of Cups, and a lot of people had a lot of mixed emotions on uh, election night or election week, I should say. You know, where we were feeling hopeful that we might have a, 
more responsible leader. Um, there are some people out there that are very upset that their chosen leader is, is not going to be in power much longer. Uh, there's also some sadness from, from the, you know, the democratic side is where, uh, you know, it wasn't this like blue wave that people were predicting where, you know, it was just this overwhelming denouncement of, uh, I don't know, fascism, <laughs> racism, inequality. Uh, there's a, a large portion of the country that's, that still supports that type of mindset. And for whatever reason, um, maybe they aren't all racist. I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's certain, it's hard to tell why someone does what they do. Uh, you know, there's, there's probably still people that vote for a Republican because they have an interest in like, you know, things like, um, you know, abortion or things like that. And I don't know, I, I, it's hard for me to, to wrap my head around that because my subjective viewpoint is, is fairly liberal. So again, there can be some disappointment with maybe we, the, the, the democratic side didn't win as much as they wanted to, or they didn't win the Senate yet or something like that, which that's still up in the air. That's not a done deal yet, but we'll see. Um, or they're disappointed that people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham got reelected. That was, that's been a head scratcher to me. I, those, those two people in particular seem to be wanting to grind the gears of our democracy to a halt. And, um, it's frustrating, I will say. Uh, but again, um, we'll see what happens with Mercury moving into that first decade of Scorpio. Uh, that's a Mars ruled face. That is uh, something where we are really, uh, really thinking about um, and trying to go through the process of beginning to let go of something, all right? Beginning to, to separate from the body, the spirit from the body to return to the one mind and the one thing, if you're into hermetic philosophy. The sun on this day is going to be conjoining a fixed star called Zubin El Shamali. And Zubin El Shamali is, is the, uh, the northern pan or the northern claw in the constellation of Libra. I say claw because it used to be part of the, the scorpion's claws in, uh, in Scorpio. Um, this one was called sufficient price uh, as in, you know, in, in opposition to the insufficient price paid in uh, Zubin El Janubi, which we are experiencing today, really, as I'm recording this. Uh, and that was a harsh justice, right? Zubin El Janubi was like, uh, you got to pay your dues and what you've paid is never enough. And uh, with Zubin El Shamali, though, you've, you've paid your dues. You, there is mild justice. There is mercy. So a favorable verdict, leniency, having fulfilled your obligations and maybe coming back into balance. So on Tuesday, we may start to see the scales begin to level out again. And feeling like we're we've maybe paid our dues with going and you know casting our votes and doing everything we could to restore peace and balance to the universe and to the force, and we may start to see the 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 results of that come into play with with Zubin El Shamali. Um, again, any any star that is in the northern half of the ecliptic is much more said to be much more fortunate than one in the southern half. Um, and if we, I guess if we click over real quick to the, uh, there we go, 
So if you can see here, we've got Zubin al-Shamali is in the northern part, okay, the northern pan. And really the scorpion, see how the scorpion here used to be the claws extended all the way out here. It was a huge constellation, but then over the course of time, it got changed to the scales of justice. Okay, and here is Zubin al-Janubi. Again, I don't, I don't really like this drawing as much because I think that this, the fulcrum should be somewhere over here and the pans should be here. I think that if, that, if I were to draw it, it would be like this. This would be the bar and then you'd have the pans right here. Um, but anyway, all right, we're gonna make it through this. I'm gonna get through this. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, so yes, Tuesday the 10th, Zubin El-Shamali, Sun, Trine, Neptune, potentially a, a desire to, to return back to substance, maybe, maybe a, a desire to escape a little bit, uh, maybe some tr to transcend uh, this physical existence, and maybe we're just a little tired of being incarnated at this point. Uh, Mercury moving into Scorpio. Um, one interesting side note about Mercury moving into the first decade of Scorpio, I've been doing a lot of research on the daimons or the spirits uh, associated with the Deccans recently. I've had some really nice help from a friend of mine named Cassidy Juniper of Midnight Moon Astrology. You should check her out. She's a, a, a very good research person. Uh, she's a librarian and, and, and really um, puts together uh, information in a well-organized fashion. And uh, this particular Deccan is associated with the, the nymphi or the nymphs. And in Greek mythology, they were often depicted as like half naked or naked, uh, you know, objects of desire. So for both gods and mortals. So these are little nature spirits that like, you know, you know, created, we lusted after them, right? So this may be where we're coming into an awareness of the things that we want. And we may be feeling some sadness over not being able to attain those desires. And I'll talk later on in the forecast about um, Scorpio 3, because the sun's going to move into Scorpio 3, which is associated with kairos or opportunity. And in, in Scorpio, we may be starting to mourn opportunities that, we, that have passed. So think about that with Mercury too, going through the process of Scorpio, coming into awareness of what we want and what we desire, uh, maybe, you know, pursuing it in the second decade, to, maybe even to our own detriment, and then having to sever and separate from that. Uh, and really like, you know, it's the achemical separation, I think, in the second decan too. Um, and then, you know, in the third decan, we have to be careful not to pursue that which is past. That's when we really get into trouble and get into debauchery, like the third decan is called, the card is called, is if we're pursuing something past uh, its, its opportune moment. Okay, let's move forward to Wednesday, and I'm going to shift my notes over. And that, that's a good segue, because on Wednesday, we're going to see the sun move into the third decade of Scorpio. Okay, so on Wednesday, November 11th, happy 11-11, uh, the moon will be moving from Virgo into Libra, and we'll be moving from the last quarter phase into the balsamic phase. The last quarter phase was when we're like having an existential shift, uh, a change of heart, a change of mind. We're releasing everything from the previous moon cycle. The balsamic phase starts to, to is like the dark moon phase where we're 
you know, consolidating everything we've learned into a seed to be planted at the next new moon that's going to happen at the end of the week. So on Wednesday, 11.11, the moon's going to make a trine to Saturn at 5.58 a.m. Uh, at 26 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn, and then it'll move into Libra at 11.09 a.m. The main thing that's going on on, uh, on Wednesday is that the sun is going to be moving into the third decan, or the last 10 degrees of Scorpio, um, at 5.40 p.m. in the evening. And this is a face that is ruled by Venus and the moon. Okay, so we have like desires, Venus, and like, uh, you know, we're trying to collect them <laughs> with, with the moon, being the triplicity ruler. Uh, well, I guess the, the ruler in the triplicity system of the decans. And the tarot card associated with this is the Seven of Cups. And in it, we see a figure being presented with all of these different visions. Okay, this decan was called illusionary success or debauchery in both the Book T and Book of Toth, respectively. Austin Krop, Austin Kropik, <laughs> Austin Kropik, Austin Kropik calls it a crow. Okay, and it's associated. It, 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 the, the fixed stars really, really play into this uh, particular decan too. Because at 22 degrees, uh, we're going to talk about Una Kalhai, which is the serpent, okay? The serpent in the hands of Ophiuchus. So serpents were often associated with desire, with temptation. And here, this figure is being tempted by all these different things, with honors, with riches, uh, with, uh, you know, beauty, with vanity, with wealth, you know? So, um, but there's this this spirit that we're trying to see here, too, this uh you know, maybe there is choosing the spirit over the earthly desires. And um, interesting, a lot of interesting symbolism with this, this Deccan of Scorpio. Uh, one of the things that uh, was really stood out to me was the, the daimon is called Kairos. And it's one of two Deccans that uh, were called Kairos or, or the daimon associated with Kairos, I believe that the second decan of Libra also had Kairos as its ruler, although that is somewhat disputed by Austin Kopic, who assigns Horkos to that, who was kind of the arbitrator of, or the punisher of breaking of oaths. Now, Kairos was opportunity in the Greek mythological system. And I wanted to read you something because I thought this was really interesting in my research. Uh, so Kairos was depicted having a, a long lock of hair hanging down from uh, its forehead, okay? And it speaks a lot about opportunity that can only be grasped as he approaches. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Aesop right here. And, it's, and Aesop says, running swiftly, balancing on the razor's edge, bald, but with a lock of hair on his forehead, he wears no clothes. If you grasp him from the front, you might be able to hold him. But once he has moved on, not even Zeus himself can pull him back. And he's talking about Kairos, the opportune moment. All of these daimons, I think, were associated. Now, now they thought of them as embodied spirits, which I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, but uh, we can also think of them psychologically as these, uh, Im the embodiments of these very human experiences that we have also, and describing these kind of... Mm, I don't know, human uh, 
you know, I, I don't want to repeat myself with experiences, but these, these human things that we either desire to have or that we experience over the course of a lifetime being incarnated on earth. So it's interesting that this third decan of Scorpio is associated with Kairos, because I think that what it's speaking to is that uh, if you have an opportunity, yes, you can grasp it, but I think it speaks more to uh, trying to grab something that is already past its prime, uh, that is already, it is impossible even for Zeus himself to grasp an opportunity that has already, you know, had its moment. And Austin Kopic talks a lot about this Deccan as the, the debauchery that happens when we're trying to grasp what is past. I wrote in my notes, uh, this came up when I was thinking about this, this is the bender after a breakup, right? This is when you're kind of like trying to hold on to some past thing and you, you're drunk dialing your ex or something like that after you, you know, you're trying to pursue something that just isn't healthy and it becomes toxic. And you're chasing a ghost, you know, this is like the, you know, trying to, you know, you're trying to bear, bur, bury the dead in this decade. This is like, are you going to finally release that which no longer serves you? And if you pursue something that is, has, you know, passed its prime, that's when you're really getting yourself into trouble. When you're really creating suffering. I, I bet there's a lot of suffering that happens in this decade because it's really saying, you know what, it is time to release that old pattern that old habit, that old form, that old relationship, that old body, that old belief system, that old anything that isn't serving you anymore. And there will be a reunification. There will be something that will come again. Like even the next sign itself is Saturn, or I'm sorry, is Jupiter ruled with Sagittarius with reunifying with something more spiritual. And then at the winter solstice, we have the birth again of the sun that is starting to ascend, okay, is, is the completion of that death process and the return of the light. So make sure that if you're hanging on to something that, uh, that time has shown is not going to be fruitful in your life, uh, that where the opportunity has passed, it's okay to acknowledge that an opportunity has passed and to let it go and to compost it because that's the fuel for the new life that wants to be born later in the cycle, okay? And, that, and, and by, you know, if you constantly, I think about this, if you're constantly trying to grow your crop in old soil without ever letting the plant die and, and fertilize for the new cycle of, of growth and for the new seed, you're, you're just gonna be left with a, a, a husk of what you had in the past. I mean, I've seen this, I have a, a um, you know, a cherry tomato plant that was in a pot that I brought inside and it's slowly dying. And, and as much as you want to try to keep it alive, it's going through its life cycle and you have to let that plant decay so that whatever that soil is will be, be fertile for when the, the next cycle for planting becomes appropriate. You don't have to plant the seed right away. You have, it, sometimes you have to let the soil rest. That's what winter is for. Fall is about the consolidation composting process, then you, the soil rests, everything needs to rest. And then eventually their spring will come again. Okay. So we're releasing to that point of rest right now. So we can have the rest that we, we so deserve after this challenging year. All right. I'm going to move forward to Thursday because this is all in context of a Jupiter Pluto 
conjunction. So on Thursday, November the 12th, the moon is going to be in Libra in the balsamic phase that we've been talking about. It will be making an opposition to Mars retrograde at 11.50 p.m. Uh, at a.m., 11.50 a.m., sorry, around lunchtime, Eastern time, at 15 degrees of Libra and Aries, which was the similar degrees that we're seeing the Venus-Mars opposition. So activating that a little bit. Um, the moon will be making a conjunction with Venus at 6.30 p.m. at 19 degrees of Libra. Now, the big news of the day is that Jupiter will be perfecting its conjunction with, with Pluto uh, at 4.38 p.m. at 22 degrees Capricorn. You can see this here happening in, in the sign of Capricorn, the domicile of Saturn. And this is something that we've experienced already twice this year. Uh, the first conjunction was on April 4th at 24 degrees of Capricorn. Uh, we had a second conjunction at, with the retrograde motion at, at 24 Capricorn on June 30th. And now uh, the planets are direct at, on November 12th at 22 Cap. Now, this is all happening in that third decan of Capricorn that is associated with authoritative power or administrating power, bureaucratic systems. Austin Coppock called it the throne. So what is happening with Jupiter and Pluto? Now, this is, this is interesting because there are some authors out there that use outer planets like fixed stars, so, so really either only conjunctions or oppositions, so, but we definitely are going to be able to feel this with a, a conjunction. Um, so what are we doing? Well, Jupiter is fallen. Jupiter is you know, associated with stabilization, but what is it stabilizing? Saturnian exile, Saturnian deprivation, abandonment, orphanage, orphan, orphaning, darkness, consolidating the passage of time, the compelling of time of Kronos and Ananke, compelling us to completion. Uh, Matthew Kinney, a, a student of uh, nightlight astrology, much like myself, talked about Saturn as uh, the void, or Capricorn as the, the void, the black hole that sucks form uh, back into uh, darkness. So we're seeing the, 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 the releasing of form. This was, Capricorn was the gate where, where material things left this plane of existence. Cancer was the gate where things came into existence in, in ancient philosophical belief. Um, you could see that in the Thema Mundi, the natal chart of the, the hypothetical natal chart or the, the symbolic natal chart of the world that was used as a teaching tool in Hellenistic astrology, cancer was the ascendant where you fuse spirit with body, noose with substance. Capricorn was the seventh house where you come to completion, where you release and you come to judgment and you release form. So Jupiter is confirming the Saturnian uh, releasing, the Saturnian necessity, the Saturnian darkness, the Saturnian need to uh, bring things back into balance by consolidation, by slowing things down, by releasing that which is no longer uh, bearing fruit. Now, Pluto, when Pluto comes into the mix, Pluto acts as like uh, the microbes in the soil. So I like to think of Pluto as you know, either being the, uh, and I love this, these words, thank you, Austin Kopic again, fecundity or fermentation, right? 
So fecundity, it, it means basically like the, the, the soil is ready to support the growth of a seed. And, and if you contrast that with the fermentation process, that the soil is breaking things down to, to be uh, fertile later, to be fecunded later as it heats up. Now, both things, both heatings, I think Pluto is the heating of both of those processes. So you could think about Pluto heating up the soil to break it down, okay? Like heating up those microbes so that it breaks down the old systems. That's what we have going on right now. And eventually it will heat the soil again to be able to birth something new. That's the transformative process that you hear with Pluto. So we're going to see, you know, Jupiter is also associated with leadership, with kings, with, uh, you know, stuff like that, where we're going to be you know, accelerating the, a, the achemical process of forms leaving, of leadership leaving, old leadership leaving, and setting the stage for that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in air signs of a new era. And remember, there's a story that is played out between Jupiter and Saturn in Greek mythology where Jupiter, or Zeus, and Kronos, uh, Zeus was, Ju aka Jupiter, was the child of Kronos or, or Saturn, the Titan. And, you know, Saturn had got, heard a prophecy that Jupiter was going to, or Zeus was going to uh, usurp him one day. So he, or one of his, one of his children was going to usurp him and he wanted to retain his power. So he starts swallowing all his children up and Zeus uh, was hidden away by, I believe by Rhea, the earth. And, um, eventually grew in, into power and confronted Kronos and I believe fed him some kind of poison that uh, made him regurgitate his brothers and his sisters. So there is some kind of liberation energy with the, the coming together of Jupiter and Saturn. So we may be seeing this, you know, we're getting ready, we're setting the stage, we're fermenting the earth for that liberation process, however it may look moving forward. Um, as far as coronavirus goes, you know, Saturn was also, I'm, I'm sorry, because Saturn is, is associated with death, uh, and we had the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, you know, accelerating the death process, we can see that the Jupiter-Pluto uh, conjunction is just really confirming the, the death that we're going through with things like coronavirus. It's, it's expanding and, and you know, saying, okay, we're accelerating that process. We're adding fuel to that, that, uh, that process. So I would encourage you all, if you aren't already, um, you know, double down on your social distancing on, on following your mask rules. We may also see as we move forward in this process, um, more, more, uh, you know, limitations that come into place for a good reason, for a purpose, hopefully to save people's lives. Um, I have a, one of my best friends from college recently was diagnosed with COVID and is battling that right now. Um, he's a, a very intelligent person who is a, he's a drummer, but he also is a professor of philosophy and religion and sociology at, at uh, Michigan State University, a brilliant mind and author. Um, who writes a lot about critical theory of, of uh, sociology and religion. And um, he's going through the COVID battle. And I think all of us are, are probably going to be touched by this. 
at some point with whether it's through having to deal with it ourselves or through someone that we know and and care about and i would you know just highly encourage you to take it seriously and uh don't ever think that you are um immune to this or that it, it can't uh touch your life because uh it's um it's a serious thing and anybody that I've talked to that's had firsthand experience with it says that it is not something to mess around with. It is not a joke. It is not a hoax. It is real. And it is something that has taken over 200, uh, you know, American lives and many more around the world. So please, again, I would encourage you to take all the proper precautions, especially as we see this, this peak moment with Jupiter conjoining Pluto. Now, hopefully this is the last conjunction of Jupiter and Pluto, it is, uh, in this cycle, in this sign, in this decan. Hopefully this is the, the, the worst of it, and we're going to start seeing things improve. But things are not going to improve unless people uh, do the, the necessary Saturnian work, the hard work of following the rules, accepting that there is limitation now in our life, and thinking about your fellow community member. That's a hard thing to do. I know, I know it's difficult to do. We all have our own self-interests, but I do think it's important at this point. If you do want to move forward from this, that's the spirit that will take us to the next level. All right, let's talk about Friday, November the 13th. On Friday, November the 13th, the moon will be moving from Libra into Scorpio at about 11.18 a.m., it is continuing the balsamic phase before our new moon at the end of the week. Um, we have a number of lunar aspects, kind of a difficult, some difficult ones, with the Libra moon making squares to all those Capricorn planets that we're experiencing by opposition today as I record this with the Cancerian moon opposing all the Capricorn planets. Um, so we'll see a square to, to uh, Pluto, to Jupiter and Saturn throughout the morning. Then the moon will move into Scorpio, and then we'll have a conjunction between the moon and Mercury at 4.44 p.m., 4.44, three degrees of Scorpio. Now, on Friday the 13th, Mars stations direct at 15 degrees of Aries at 7.35 p.m. Venus will also be moving into the third decan of Libra, so let's talk about that. We also have the sun conjoining the fixed star Una Kalhai, so we have to kind of make sense of all that and what's going on. So, um. So let's talk about Mars direct first. Now Mars stationed retrograde at, or I believe, um, uh, when did it actually go retrograde? The 9th, September the 9th, is that, is that correct? Uh, I don't know, I wrote, I wrote down September the 9th. I, I'm, I'm confused as to whether that's the retrograde shadow of Mars or whether it is the actual time that it went retrograde. Um, I believe that is when it turned retrograde, but if I'm mistaken on that, I apologize. But the point being is that Mars is going to return to either the position that it retrograded or to its, I guess, its shadow on the 2nd of January in 2021, which is very close to the Georgia uh, Senate runoff election on the 5th of January. Mars will move into Taurus on the 6th of January, the 21st, right after that election. So that'll be interesting. 
And then Mars will make a conjunction with Uranus on, around Inauguration Day between the 19th and the 21st. So this is something where we're retracing a lot of the actions that we've been trying to take over the last few months. We've been trying to create a new world that is self-directed. Um, we've been trying to separate, you know, a lot of, we've seen a lot of people trying to separate uh, and create their own world. I think this is a thing too, like just because you're creating your own world doesn't mean that other people aren't trying to create their own world. And that's been part of the problem is uh, those two worlds are in vastly different dimensions right now. They're not acknowledging each other's reality. And that's, that's difficult. I think one of the things I've been looking and watching ABC news around the clock, <laughs> like, and they've been talking a lot about, you know, the failure of Democrats to really reach out to people that, uh, supported Trump. And I think that that's a very good question to ask moving forward is why would people uh, ostensibly vote? Why would a working class person vote against their best interest um, and vote for a, a, a candidate that is associated with, you know, the oligarchy that really hasn't proven to support their, their best interest or working class interest beyond uh, the divisive identity politics? And that's a real, that's a question that people need to ask moving forward is how do you uh, include and bring those people back into a shared worldview? And that's through acknowledging the, some of the pains and sufferings of uh, disenfranchised uh, rural class, working class people and, and working class rural white folks that feel that their, their uh, position is being threatened. Now, does that mean that we should you know, uh, allow people to be racist and, and support white supremacy? Absolutely. No, <laughs> no, no. You can denounce that at every turn. <laughs> okay. But it does mean that we have to say how, if, if someone is only clinging to their whiteness as the only thing that they have left to give them any hope of feeling empowered in this country, that's a problem. So how do you, how do you uh, while empowering people of color and you know, people in the LGBTQI community, how do you uh, acknowledge those people's rights and uh, while simultaneously drawing back in people and, and help them to not feel, um, oh, I don't know, that's, that's dumb. Like you, there is this white fragility that comes along with this. And you, you want to acknowledge that, that people of color are definitely not responsible for white people's feelings, you know? But I think that what needs to be stated and what needs to happen is uh, there needs to be better uh, social programs to help support the rural white working class person so that they don't have to feel that the only way that they can have power in this country is through uh, feeling superior due to their race. And that part of it, I think, is real. Um, I think that that is something that uh, our leadership does need to really examine if they don't want those people who, who probably do feel disenfranchised, okay, to not be uh, vulnerable to people like Donald Trump in the future uh, or fascist ideological thinking that prey upon that insecurity 
that is not just born from racism, but is born from, you know, having difficulty uh, paying for their health insurance, having difficulty finding a job, having difficulty paying their bills due to inflation and things like that. And um, that is real. And that is a question that will have to be answered so that we don't see that those folks uh, fall prey to uh, a more effective type of leader. I mean, this is the thing with Trump. Trump is fairly inept in a lot of ways. Uh, but imagine, well, and I don't want you to imagine it, but I would say be aware that uh, it, if we don't figure that question out as a society, heaven forbid somebody who holds those views that is actually um, competent and I, and I don't mean not crazy, but just competent in mobilizing people to, you know, whatever they're going to do, comes along for eight years from now, what, however many years, and uh, is able to spread that kind of vitriol more effectively and dismantle government. I mean, that, that, that is very scary to me. And I don't want to speak that into existence. That's why I'm saying, like, it's important as a community to bring people call people in and say you know what while simultaneously fighting for these equal rights venus and libra we also have to figure out how we can bring those people represented by mars and aries back into that equation okay do you see what i'm saying it's both and and that's the that's the duality that we have to hold with that right now is how do we do both of those things simultaneously? Because they really will feed one another. You have less people, you know, supporting some, you know, overtly racist, fascist person. Uh, that's good <laughs> for, for, you know, uh, for disenfranchised people based on race and sexual preference and all of those things. Um, but we have to deal with, there are multiple problems in this country. It's not just race. It's not just wealth inequality. It's not just equal rights. It is, you know, many things. And I, I think that that's a, something to really look in the mirror if you're uh, a democratic leader in this country of how to draw that community back in and get that, that support so that we can start to be on some sort of a same page. Okay, so that's, the, what's, that's part of the process we're going to be seeing with Mars stationing direct. Now, Venus is moving into the third decan of Libra at 5.48 a.m. Now, this is a little bit of different energy than the second decan. It's still, it, Venus is still the host, but the face rulers are Jupiter and Mercury. And the tarot card, and we've talked about this with Mercury in the, in the past, but the tarot card for this is the Four of Swords. And in it, we see a figure that is resting. And this may be, you know, the point in time where we are resting after some kind of verdict, where we've done the hard work of bringing things into balance. We've used our powers of our persuasion to come to some kind of agreement. And now it's time to kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, take a little bit of a breather. Now, there are and there are alternate ways of looking at this decan as being the, the eye of the hurricane. So finding that calm space, that calm center, Austin Coppock calls this a gyroscope where you're trying to balance out all of these different things. I think this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about um, 
calling in versus versus calling out. Um, we have to figure out how to balance all these different competing interests. And I think that Venus in the third decan of Libra, that is the goal uh, with that planet in that particular decan is creating harmony between all these different things, all these spinning plates that we're trying to keep in the air. Book T calls this uh, decan rest from strife and Book of Toth calls it a truce. So maybe we've said, okay, we've, we've you know, had the, the election, we've had our battle, you know, one side uh, won, the other side lost. Um, but as a country, we have to come back together and say, okay, we got to stop fighting and figure out how we reunify this again. Um, the daimon in this particular decan was called Nemesis. And Nemesis was about having poise under pressure, grace under fire. Uh, she, it, she, the quote uh, so associated with her was, she who distributes what is due. And her role was to restore balance to life's ups and downs. And she was a contrasting figure to fortune or 2K, which was chance, the random distribution of fate and fortune. Okay, so this is the, the doing the hard work to, to be the checks and balances on the extravagant favors or extravagant hardships uh, distributed by, by 2K, okay? Uh, Nemesis was also a punisher of hubris. So we may see this happening too. So we've seen plenty of hubris in the, in the last few months, years, um, decades, centuries. There's always going to be hubris. That's, that's a hu human failing that is just part of the, the deal. But uh, make no mistake, it doesn't. Hubris doesn't doesn't go unpunished. So Nemesis's role was kind of bringing. That was one of the 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 biggest, I guess, sins that you could commit in ancient Greek culture was hubris. Was thinking that you knew better than the gods. That's that's hubris, you know. And uh, you know they valued devotion. They valued uh, acceptance of these processes. And a lot of hubris that we see now, if we want to contextualize it in a modern framework, is the hubris of thinking that we know better than time, that we know better than nature. There was the ultimate hubris that we've seen over in 2020 of, you know, the this Republican leadership thinking that they knew better than than a, a tiny microbe, and that just do what you continue to do and pretend it doesn't exist. That's that's hubris, and we've seen the result of that. Uh, 200,000 plus Americans um, have passed away. And that is uh, something to be mourned. And hopefully that hubris does go punished and that we come back into balance. Now the pun punishment is something where we're, you know, nemesis restores balance. So we're just bringing things back into right proportion, I think is what we're seeing here is we're, we're, we've gotten something that was out of whack and in this decade, we're bringing things back into um, that equilibrium that we've been seeking throughout the entire decade of Libra. In the first decade, we become aware of the injustices. We, we meet with Mott in the underworld, uh, have our heart weighed against the, the weight of a feather. In the second decade, we're renegotiating the contract. Um, we're either letting go of you know, a relationship or committing to something. And then this third decade, we're like, you know, we're, it's, it's the, the result of all that. And we get to rest after that, hopefully, after we've restored things into balance again. Now, the last thing going on on Friday the 13th is the sun will be conjoining 
the fixed star Unakalhai at 22 degrees of Scorpio. And I'm going to show you my star chart again. And Unakalhai, I believe I'm saying that right, um, is in the constellation Serpentus. And here we will see Serpentus right here. This is the big long snake. Okay, in the hands of Ophiuchus, aka Asclepius, the healer. So this is interesting because Serpentus was like the the uh, or Unakahai was the either the neck of the snake or the heart of the snake. Core Serpentus, it was called. There were two different uh, texts that described what it was. I mean, here we can see it in the neck, but maybe the heart's in the neck. Okay. Um, and this was, you know, snakes and unakahai were associated with intrigue, poisons, um, with chronic diseases, accidents, violence, but also with shedding of the skin. So there's a choice that happens with this. You know, if we think about the snake and the symbolism of the snake, it's a purification symbol. So we, maybe there's all these old things that aren't serving us, this old skin that we need to release. So this, this, this may be a time of shedding skin. Uh, of taking on fresh form to avoid stagnation, um, to avoid the constriction of that old skin so we can move freely again. And the snake is being held by Ophiochus, the, the snake bearer, um, aka Asclepius, the healer. And there's some interesting symbolism with Asclepius. Uh, Asclepius was a ship surgeon on the Argo uh, in Greek mythology, and he was able to bring um, his patients back from the dead, which, which, kind of uh, pissed the gods off a little bit. It was forbidden by the gods because, you know, he was, uh, you know, they were upset that, that he might usurp uh, their own healing power. And they forbid him to do this. And, and he was smote by a thunderbolt. And, but then, you know, honored and he was put into the sky as a constellation. So uh, consolation prize for being smitten with a, a thunderbolt. <laughs> Okay. Um, but I think that Ophiuchus speaks to like, you know, trying to contain some of these desires, some of these, uh, you know, more uh, challenging uh, impulses that we have as human beings uh, that may not be in our best interest and trying to bring them back into balance and trying to wrestle with some of our dark sides and be, be, heal some of those toxicities and those poisons that we may find ourselves attracted to at certain times. This really fits very well with the third decan of Scorpio where the sun is in, because we're really wrestling with that desire nature and we're, we're really trying to let it go. This is, Scorpio is all about letting go. You gotta let go. And this may be a, a, a peak point in that with that fixed star where we're you know, shedding that skin eventually. All right, that's what I got for Friday. Let's go back to our, our chart here. And we'll finish up talking about our weekend. And on the weekend, uh, on Saturday the 14th, on Saturday, November the 14th, we have the moon in Scorpio in the balsamic phase getting ready for our new moon on Sunday. The moon is opposite Uranus at 12.09 a.m. Uh, it will be trining Neptune at 4.05 p.m. and then sextiling Pluto at 11.30 p.m. Now, we have two sextiles of the sun uh, with the Capricorn planets, um, Jupiter and Pluto, uh, in the 
the late afternoon, and then in the evening. So first, the sun will come into a sextile with Pluto at 2.48 p.m., 22 degrees. Remember, conjoining that fixed star, Unical High. And then uh, at 23 degrees of Scorpio, it'll sextile Jupiter and Capricorn. So this is, again, we're talking about letting go of old, outdated habits, um, the acceleration of leaving the past behind, um, composting old poisons, shedding old skin, old belief systems, um, acknowledging that certain opportunities have passed and that we have to, if we, if we want to create new opportunities, we can't keep chasing the ghost of the old. We can't keep trying to keep and resuscitating uh, these old forms that have lived out uh, their time. Um, remember, opportunity had a lock of hair in the forehead, and you could grasp it potentially if you were had the right timing. But again, not every opportunity is meant to be acted upon or come to fruition. And sometimes we have to mourn the loss of one so that we can free ourselves up to be able to be prepared when the next opportunity comes by. Remember, fortune favors the prepared, okay? So a lot of the times of the success that you see with people in, in the world is not just that they got lucky. Not that, that, that is part of it. They had to make sure that they recognized their opportunities, but they had to be prepared to act on those opportunities when they came. So I think that the process now is, you know, how can you prepare for the next opportunity? How can you leave the old ones behind and stop mourning their loss and say, how do I get myself ready? Even if I don't see my opportunity now, I know I'm going to recognize it when it's my moment. This is something I'm doing right now too. I've been kind of laying low, doing a lot of preparation for potentially some class offerings in the new year. And I know that the opportunity will come. I don't have to rush the process. I need to let go of, of what is no longer serving me and, you know, potentially, uh, I don't know, maybe even team up with some, some folks to, to, to do better work together than I could do as an individual. I've been exploring some options with that. And, uh, yeah, and just being ready to hit the ground running and being patient with the process. I got the, I pick an animal every day, an animal symbol. And today I got the turtle. And the turtle is all about that patience and all about waiting for your opportunity and waiting for your moment. That turtle is, is prepared, you know, like the story of the tortoise and the hare. You know, it's not about if you can wear yourself out. It's, it's about crossing that finish line. And, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And that's what we're going to have to think about as we try to make changes in our society and, our, and in our personal lives is it doesn't always happen overnight. But what you can do now is you can start preparing yourself for when opportunity will appear. And then you'll be ready. And then you'll be able to grab onto it and, and bring whatever it represents into fruition. All right, so that's Saturday the 14th. Let's finish up with Sunday and the new moon. So on Sunday, November the 15th, the moon will be in Scorpio and we will be experiencing our new moon very early in the morning on the Eastern Standard Time Zone or in the Eastern Standard Time Zone uh, at 12.07 a.m. at 23 degrees of Scorpio, the new moon. Happy new moon, everyone. Uh, the moon will be sextiling Jupiter. Okay, so we have a, a new moon sextile Jupiter 
conjoining, it's also conjoining sa- or sextiling Saturn um, at 612 a.m., but the, the closest conjunct or the closest aspect is with Jupiter. And this new moon is going to be conjoining uh, the fixed star Hadar, also known as Agena, which was a fixed star in the constellation Centauri or, or Centaur or Kentaurus. I don't know how exactly you say it, but it's the Centaur. Uh, and it, there are two centaurs in the sky, and I'll show you that in a second. Um, we're also having a, a, a Venus-Pluto square on this day, too. Okay, so we're, we've got some interesting symbolism. Venus is in the overcoming position. Uh, it is, you know, love, fairness, justice, uh, it, harmonization, bringing things together is overcoming that, that Plutonic um, acceleration of change. So this may be a calming influence in the middle of that change, okay? Let's talk about uh, this new moon in the context of the greater changes. So first of all, all of the symbolism we've been talking about with the seven of cups and the third decan of Scorpio will apply. This is the beginning of letting go of all of our bad habits, all of our demons, of coming to terms with opportunities past, of letting go of the mindset where we have to think we have to make America great again. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, we make America great by being a unified country. We don't make America great by being divided. And that may be what we're, the, some of the b- mindset that we're starting to leave behind is that which divides us, of maybe trying to hold on to a past that we may be overly idealizing. And uh, I think that that's part of the problem with the way that Trump's doing stuff is he's over idealizing uh, a past that just no longer exists. Um, He's chasing a ghost and his supporters are chasing desires that aren't based on real reality anymore. The fact of the matter is, is this is a diverse country. This is a country where you know, we have, uh, you know, we have gay people, we have people of color, we have transgendered people, and they have rights, and they have every right to be in this country as everyone else, and to enjoy the same freedoms and the same protections of the law as everyone else. And they deserve to be able to go out and make a living. They deserve to have health care. They deserve to be able to get married. They deserve to be able to make choices with their bodies. And when we acknowledge the reality of this country and where it stands and how we are moving towards something different than than the energy that it was founded on, which was corrupt. That's what I'm saying. It's an illusion. This new moon is going to, it exposes the old illusions. This card was called illusionary success, debauchery. If you keep trying to chase the old illusion, and again, it's that American dream, it's an illusion. That Parts of it are. Some of it is very beautiful. The fact that, you know, you could, I don't know. I don't know if I could have the time here to dissect the American dream and which parts of it are, are real and which parts aren't and which parts are worth pursuing, which parts aren't. But I do think that one of the American ideals is that you could, you could come to this country as an immigrant and you could 
make something of yourself and you had freedom and you had rights. And it was baked into the constitution and the bill and the declaration of independence and all of those fabulous documents that all men were created equal. Now, regardless of what the reality was at the time, there was at least some idealism behind that. And the reality was that many of those people were slaveholders and that we've gained enormous wealth on the backs of, of slaves and on, and on the backs of um, colonization and being able to claim indigenous land and things of that nature. That's the reality. And, and when we don't acknowledge the illusion uh, and we keep chasing this like perfect 1950s you know, American pie type of existence, uh, that, that, that's just, that's an, it's a recipe for suffering. And this new moon, I think, is about how do we let go of that and, and come to terms with the reality of this country and embrace it, not just come to terms with it, but embrace it and say, that's actually what makes our country great. That's what actually makes our country great is the diversity, the, you know, the, the, you know, the rights that we supposedly, you know, want to give to everyone through that idealized version of the Bill of Rights and everything like that. So, again, let go of that old illusion at this new moon. <laughs> Shed the old skin so that you can have freedom of movement again. You know, be able to harmonize that composting process. See the beauty in change rather than mourning it. Change is beautiful. That's the thing that you can count on in this earthly existence is the change. So let's talk a little bit to just to finish off here about the centaur. So on uh, this 15th year, the sun's going to be conjoining this fixed star in the knee or the foot of the centaur, Hadar, which is a double star. It's also called a Gina. Uh, I believe Bernadette Brady calls it a Gina. You can see it by projected ecliptical degree. Now there's two centaurs. You've got Sagittarius over here. And you have, uh, which I, I believe was associated with a, a centaur called Crotus, the cruel, who was the more, more of a wild kind of hunter type of centaur. And Chiron was like the gentle teacher, more pious, uh, the healer. Um, and, and of course, there's stories with this particular centaur where he had this wound um, where he was immortal, but he got wounded by an arrow, I believe that uh, you know, Hercules made a, had a temper tantrum and, and uh, eventually Chiron got wounded by this arrow, this poisonous arrow, and had to suffer this wound uh, over eternity, um, still trying to teach and heal others, but, but without being able to heal himself. And uh, so I, there's interesting, um, there's some interesting symbolism with this particular constellation. You can see he's holding lupus, the wolf, and this is a sacrifice. So there's something about a sacrifice or sacrificing something at the altar to appease the gods, to appease the, the, the divine mind. So maybe we have to let go of something at this new moon. Again, shed that skin, some old beliefs, some, some sacrificial ritual act to be able to move forward. And I think that we're going to see that with this, with this new moon. Now, this 
process is going to play out, this, this moon cycle uh, is going to be part of our next eclipse cycle, okay? So this is going to um, come to fruition, this moon cycle, this seed on the 30th of November at eight degrees of Sagittarius and eight degrees of Gemini is the full moon in Gemini, the full moon lunar eclipse. Now this, the moon in that, that lunar eclipse is going to be conjoining Joe Biden, Saturn uh, at nine degrees of Gemini in his seventh house of the public and of the people. And the sun will be conjoining Joe Biden's ascendant at three degrees of Sagittarius. So again, I, I really do think we're moving towards his, his role in helping to leave some of these beliefs behind and, and potentially, uh, hopefully, begin the process of reunifying uh, a population that is very much divided at this point. All right. That's what I've got for this week. Next week, we are going to be seeing uh, a square between Venus and Jupiter. Venus is going to conjoin the fixed star Spica and Arcturus at 24 degrees Libra. Um, Mercury will be making an opposition direct to, to Uranus on Tuesday, the 17th. Um, we're going to see a square between Venus and Saturn on the 19th. And uh, then, then we're going to see a shift on the 21st with Venus moving into Scorpio, um, into its uh, exile. And then the sun moving into Sagittarius the same day, um, moving into the first quarter moon phase. So that's what I've got for this week. Thank you all for hanging out with me today. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well and keeping yourself uh, centered, helping to keep yourself uh, sane. And, and I will leave you with this. Um, time is vast. And it may seem like everything that we're experiencing are intensified and are matters of great consequence. And I, and I think that they are. Um, but I think that you have to rise and transcend the moment and see that you are part of uh, this great cycle of eternity where you know a human life is actually very short in the in the uh, grand scheme of things it's not that it's any less important it's not that we don't have to do what is we are called upon to do in the moment we absolutely do but just seeing that in context of of history of cycles and of the flow between um different beliefs ideologies Rises, rising of empires, the fall of empires, rises, rising of civilizations, the fall of civilizations, forms coming into being and forms passing out to being. I think that's a really healthy mindset right now uh, to see that you're just part of the dance. I think it's a dance, a cosmic dance. And uh, sometimes you just have to feel the music and allow your body and your spirit and your soul to, to, uh, to vibe with that music a little bit. And um, I think that that's a that's what I'm trying to do is 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 dance to the music a little bit. Um, so anyway, I hope that helps. And I hope that that uh, I hope that you're doing okay and that um, we'll get through this. This too shall pass, and uh, we'll all dance together uh, eventually. All right. So that's what I've got for this week. Thank you for sticking with me. Um, if you like these videos and you want to support the work that I do, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, to the SoundCloud, to the Facebook page, all of these things, all of the channels that you see in the link of the video here or in the podcast. 
Um, if you want to support the work I do financially, there are a few, uh, there's a Venmo link. My Venmo is at Spencer Michaud. And I have a PayPal me link in these videos as well. Uh, another great way to support the work that I do is to reach out and schedule a reading. I, I lo love doing readings for people and, and helping to get to know you one-on-one -on -one and helping to guide you through this, this cosmic dance um, through the, the knowledge of the stars. So that's another great way. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I've got for this week. So be kind to one another and uh, I love you all and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.